0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: A long time ago, before I had children, I saw something that's never left me as a parent a coworker, a woman, had to leave a bit early because of something she had to take care of back home, an issue with one of her kids. And after she left the room, her boss, another woman, clearly annoyed, just like shook her head and said, unbelievable, don't make your kid my problem. I spend a lot of time hustling around, trying to make sure my kid is no one else's problem, even though they'll grow up to become someone else's coworker, partner, neighbor, a voter. And I spend a lot of time online watching stories and reels and TikToks and YouTubers who seem to have the whole parenting thing figured out. Like they know how to get their kids to eat their vegetables at every meal, using cookie cutters and toothpicks. They know how to manage tantrums with, like, careful explanations and fights with their teenagers with well-timed talks in the car. I googled the word parenting today, and the headlines included Kim Kardashian's tough love parenting as she celebrates daughter Chicago's birthday. Meghan Markle's relaxed parenting style pulls apart from Kate Middleton. Parenting, you know, it's done privately. It's judged publicly. You know, especially coming off of these last few years,
2: it's just made a very stark picture of how much is on us as parents. Without a safety net, without paid leave, one of the only countries without some sort of leave for parents. Um, The pandemic, COVID, we were on our own, you know, teaching our children from home while trying to have a job and a career. And parents are tired. The pressure is just relentless.
1: Today on The Assignment, and exit interview with a longtime parenting editor and columnist, Amy Joyce of The Washington Post. What she's seen and learned from the mommy blogs, parenting fads, and the people raising their kids, who mostly ask, am I doing this right? I'm Audie Cornish. We want to talk more about the issues that affect parents and kids because, frankly, so many modern day debates over mass shootings, LGBTQ rights, race and history are being fought and talked about over kids. So first, we want to invite you, kids and parents listening, to weigh in more with your ideas and questions and the people you'd like to hear from. You can text or send a voice memo. The number is in our episode notes. In the meantime, our guest, Amy Joyce, has thought about parenting nonstop for about a decade. She's a parent of two teenage boys, and she was the Washington Post deputy editor of their On Parenting section. Throughout those 10 years, she's seen parenting trends come and go. So when you started out, The dialogue and kind of talking about parenting, there were a lot of books out, I assume. There was a lot of like magazine covers probably about helicopter parenting. And how old are your kids at the time? Kind of where are you in your own parenting story? Let's
2: see, my oldest one would have been about six and the younger one would have been about four. And so it was a time, too, where I was still feeling very torn as a mother working as much as I did. Not knowing what they were doing all day, trying to remind myself I didn't need (laughs) to be that helicopter, that it was good for them. That was hard. You were always questioning, and I think moms especially still do, um, what you're doing and how you're sort of managing it all. Um, It's like I didn't have a chance to be a helicopter parent, even though I was covering parenting during the day. And I found that with a lot of my friends and colleagues.
1: What were the kinds of questions parents would write in with? I mean, it's sort of
2: the same questions that they write in with today. You know, I'm trying my best. They're still tantruming. I'm I'm doing everything I can to get them out the door. They won't get out the door. Um, how do I connect with my child? I feel like I'm so busy all the time that I'm not really present. That comes up all the time. And that came up then all the time. How can I be present when I'm trying to do so much? And I think that was sort of, you know the trickle-down of the parenting bloggers and the trickle-down of the helicopter parenting and that sort of idea of being around for your children all the time, it put a lot of pressure on people, um, and made people feel like they weren't necessarily doing it right.
1: How did social media affect that? Oh, gosh.
2: You know, like all things social media, there are pluses and minuses, but I think the problem was parents saw other parents supposedly doing it right. And they saw the perfection and they saw the beauty and the seeming ease with which these other parents were
1: parenting. And it's interesting because if if it's on a TikTok or an Instagram or a Facebook, now it feels like it's just your peers. Right. Especially a TikTok. But if there's just like, you know, people who look like you, there's no shtick. And yet they're telling you, well, you know, you don't want to yell. You don't want to raise your voice. You don't want to do... X, Y, and Z, you do feel like, oh, wait, quote unquote, everyone is figuring out a way to do this and I'm struggling.
2: Yes. And I think the other issue with that is once you start seeing these TikToks and how other people are doing it so supposedly well, it's like you lose your own parenting instinct And you think, okay, I need to be that gentle parent. I can't yell when my kid spills milk when he's trying to pour it. I have to be, not freak out immediately because he's learning. And, you know, that is a great thought, but that's sort of not reality. But then as we are watching this on TikTok or Instagram reels for the older folks in the audience, me, we start to wonder what we're doing wrong. And we think, oh, she's doing it right. Or he's got the good advice there, um, and just makes it really, really difficult. You start, I think, other generations, maybe they felt judged by their parents or their aunts. Now, I think it's easy to feel judged, you know, while you're staring at your phone.
1: Oh, interesting. Say more about that.
2: (laughs) I just feel like, and I do it myself, I'm, I'm following a ton of parenting influencers, and I'm I'm reading a lot of, you know, parenting advice from the experts and whatnot, and they are. So sometimes it makes so much sense.
1: But in wait, practice even now in- with your teenagers, you're doing this. Oh, yeah. Wait, There's- even now as you exited the job <laughs> of parenting columnist, you're up on TikTok. A clicking, get the algorithm is giving you advice on raising teens. <laughs> it's only been two weeks, so oh, okay, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Well, give but, it a minute; um, they're fast moving. I
2: know, but also raising teens is a whole different story. You know, it's a it's a whole different transition, and I do. I still seek out the advice. The benefit of this job is I sort of feel like I know who the good experts are who are really doing the research and and understand things. But at the same time, when I see these little bites or when I saw these little bites of how to do things the right way, it's easy to feel judged even though they can't see you. You You start judging yourself because you can see all these other people who seem to have it all under control or they know how
1: to manage it. What is the current parenting debate in online spaces? What's the style and what's the argument over it?
2: Gentle parenting, I think, has been a big one. It sounds so good.
1: What's gentle parenting? And there are very good parts to it. That's not a good sign, right? I'm like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) But what, what does that actually mean in practice?
2: It means, my take on it is it means just extreme patience and letting your kids have their big emotions, letting them make mistakes, but being patient enough to let them have those mistakes without yelling and screaming and um, putting them in their room or in a timeout. Like instead of a timeout, you hug them and you sit with them and you let them have their big emotions. But what's happened is it's gone to the extreme with a lot of parents and and I'm seeing this sort of backlash now where um, the gentle parenting has moved into, uh, in many people's minds, a lack of discipline or no boundaries. And if there's one thing that I think... I always want to impart is boundaries actually are good. Our children actually crave them. I think there are parts to gentle parenting that a lot of parents have taken on and it's like beautiful and and brilliant and a great way to live. But in the extreme, it can go awry <laughs> and there is a lot of backlash to that.
1: But there are so, th- this is a good example of watching a, a trend rise and fall. I think even I've, right. now that you describe it, encountered this kind of language of gentle parenting, you know, and you'll be scrolling through and all of a sudden something will say like how to tackle a tantrum, how to de-escalate, like all of this language that really sounds like it's for adult situations, de-escalating yeah. and like moving people off to an, and uh, the gentleness has a language to it that's actually it sounds like HR, which seems weird for a kid. Yeah, it's
2: important to remember what level they are at and how to speak with a child. I've heard from so many parents, like I've tried to explain to my three-year-old why we need to put our coat on and, you know, get out the door on time. And that's nice, but three-year-old isn't up for that. That's not how they communicate and
1: learn. So what's the argument over gentle parenting now? Other than the permissiveness, Or what does backlash look like in a parenting movement and how does it play out?
2: It plays out in the comments on online and social media. It plays out in a lot of judging, but then it also plays out in people just wanting to go the absolute opposite direction, which is sort of like our country uh, in in many ways, this division. And you see it in parenting as well. So you've got the parents who practice gentle parenting, and then you have the parents who take it to the other extreme and want to do the exact opposite or preach the exact opposite of every bit of that. And I think in general, parenting trends are sort of like a rubber band. They stretch one way really far and then they come back. Um, but there are things that people can take from it and and that do actually stick. But I think we are in that, that stretching with gentle parenting right now. Um, and I just see a lot of sort of negative reaction to it now. Um, and sometimes I do worry that that means that the good parts of it will go away as well. And there are there are good parts of, I think, almost every trend.
1: We'll be right back after the break.
0: This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like.
1: So there, there's been a longtime link between music and, and sound and health. That is my favorite fact of the month. <laughs> Apollo, the god of music, was also the god of medicine. I'm Megna Chakrabarti. Let's explore the world we're living in every weekday with On Point from WBUR, Boston's NPR. Find and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Assignment. I'm Audie Cornish, and I'm talking with Amy Joyce. She just concluded her decade-long stint as a writer and editor of the Washington Post column on parenting. What is the nascent parenting movement you're seeing develop now?
2: A lot of hands-off.
1: Full free range? Or, (laughs)
2: like, what does that mean? Some people call it sloth parenting. (laughs) Oh, wait,
1: what? I have not heard this. No
2: sloth parenting. So, you know, you're slow. You let your kids sort of do what they want to do and and see what happens. But that also has its benefits because a lot of kids, people argue, are not sort of learning adversity or how to deal with adversity because their parents have been so gentle with them or allowing them to have their big feelings. And so I think a lot of parents now are sort of answering that by letting go a little bit. And not hovering and not, you know, if making it say, oh, well, you have to do your own laundry or you can make your own breakfast. So it's sort of going back in that direction instead of the more coddling kind of parenting.
1: The idea of independence has many more meanings now than when you and I might have walked down the street as kids by ourselves to find another friend. So much. Someone on the phone can meet a friend in another country when they're 10 or 14. And I don't mean to go straight to the danger, but can you talk about sort of like, yeah, how does that play in, what kind of advice do you think about when people come to you with that question of like, how do I help them learn for themselves, but also... Keep those boundaries. Right. That's
2: the, that's the tough balance of being a parent, right? They have to, you're trying to teach them how to learn for themselves. Um, but now, especially with phones and devices you still have to keep those boundaries and they're going to make mistakes with those phones and devices. And unfortunately, those mistakes are going to, they can stick with them. So a piece we did, I think it was in October, was about sextortion online. And it's a high, high number of tween and teen boys who think they've met a girl online. Um, But it's somebody posing as a girl and they send pictures, incriminating pictures, and then the person reveals themselves to not be this teenage girl and um, demands money. And it's been happening to a a ton of kids. um, And it's a mistake. It's hard because they're on these devices. Parents cannot be watching them 24 hours a day on these devices. and, And bad things happen. So while we're trying to teach our children to be independent, it's important to remember they're going to make mistakes. It's important to sort of keep up the guardrails make sure those mistakes aren't going to harm them forever. Um, and it's just a, a a terribly difficult balance because who knows what they're doing on their devices if they're not right there in front of you and you're not seeing exactly what they're doing every minute of the day, which we can't and we shouldn't.
1: But to carry on with this story a little bit, it mm-hmm. feels like it comes back to the overall lessons you've written about, which is kids have to feel they can come to you with things. Yes, And this oh, is the hardest thing, your own in that case, like sexual exploration, right, or your own whatever, whatever you, whatever your private space is, all of a sudden the idea that you have to bring your parents into it is terrifying. And is there a way that parents can build that relationship? Because that seems like something you've written about.
2: It's so important and it's so hard because you don't know. You don't know in that moment that your son or your child is going to come to you and fess up and tell you what happened. It's, it's horrible. But they're thinking
1: of all the reactions you've had to them right. for all kinds of things <laughs> right. for years, right? Like the way yeah. you react. This is how a crazy modern parent thinks. This I'm giving you my, my modern parent thing. The <laughs> way I reacted to the spilled milk is the way they're going to assume I'm going to react about everything for the rest of our lives. And it may determine whether or not... <laughs> They do come to me when they need help, or there's a problem, or etc. And if I don't create that scenario, I've failed. Oh yeah, I, welcome to my New Year's resolution thinking. Like <laughs> he said, me, just going down the rabbit hole about this.
2: I I do this myself all the time. I I question myself all the time with this. the The other night, and my son's gonna love hearing this. But um, my son and his friends play FIFA soccer on you know, online. You know, he's 16, and I went to bed and I fell asleep you know, it was Saturday night. They were doing this. And I woke up when he came to bed and I looked at my clock and it was two o'clock in the morning. And I got really upset the next day. And I said, you can't do that. And I'm trying to put boundaries on him. But in my head, I'm thinking, so if I demand that he not do that and I get upset about that, then, you know, is he going to (laughs) sneak, you know, and is he going to do things that are more dangerous and not tell me because I'm you know, telling him not to do this and he's afraid to tell me later. So it is a hard, hard balance. Um, But then I think the other parts of this piece like sort of come into play with that. If you have a connection with your child, with your teenager, if they have moments with you where they can just talk to you, then when things go awry, they will most likely be able to come and talk to you. And I think you just sort of have to keep that narrative going throughout their lives from the time they're your children's age, you can always talk to me. I am always here for you. I am always going to love you unconditionally. um, And just let that be in their head. But it is hard because you start to question like, okay, if I get upset with them or mad at them for this, um, does that mean they're going to hide it from me later when they want to do it? They may. (laughs) It's, It's impossible.
1: What I feel when I think about all these things is like pressure, just an enormous amount of pressure. And it feels, it makes everything feel weirdly high stakes. Um, Everything. And where they go to school, how you talk to them, their friends, their social media use. uh, It, a lot of it starts, it just feels like this never ending pressure. And in a culture where people aren't that interested in supporting parents, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Childcare is very expensive. It feels like a a very weird moment where we had a taste of this hybrid life post-pandemic, and we've come out of it. And culturally, we're all trying to figure out together what does work-life balance mean? And in this case, you and I talking, what does it mean? for families.
2: You know, especially coming off of these last few years, it's just made a very stark picture of how much is on us as parents without a safety net, without paid leave, one of the only countries without some sort of leave for parents. Um the pandemic, COVID, we were on our own. You know, teaching our children from home while trying to have a job and a career parents are tired the pressure is just relentless at the same time it's important to remember if you're trying and if you love your kid they're probably going to be okay that's a generalization but if you're aware of it um, and you're connecting with your child in some way every day The odds are good that they're going to be okay, even if they're in the wrong school, even if they're on Instagram or TikTok too much. It's just important to know sort of where they're coming from and who they are.
1: That's Amy Joy. She's the outgoing editor for On Parenting. That's the newspaper Parenting Vertical at The Washington Post. And that's it for this episode for The Assignment. Of course, we always want to know what's on your mind. We'd love to get your feedback on our shows, and the number to call is 202-854-8802. The Assignment is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Lori Gallaretta. Our senior producer is Matt Martinez, and our engineer is Michael Hammond. Dan DiZula is our technical director, and Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. We got support from Haley Thomas, Alex Manassari, Robert Mathers, John Dianora, Lenny Steinhardt, Jameis Andrus, Nicole Pesaru, and Lisa Namoral. Special thanks, as always, to Katie Hinman. I'm Audie Cornish. Thank you for listening.